0: Is it rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Kerry Shale. But he's our special guest, comedian and novelist, David Badil. Oh, say the Bob thing now?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. Hey, Mr. Reed Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning,
0: I'll come following you. David, as usual, we ask you to choose uh, a line from uh, our bard. Mm. Uh, Why did you choose that one? Well, it's an interesting choice, don't you
1: think? (laughs) Because I pride myself, I would say, uh, in some respects, possibly in all respects, on being a man of uh, original thought, someone who probably doesn't choose the obvious (laughs) choice, who goes uh, the long road rather than the short road uh, in his cultural appreciation. So that might seem against that, but there's two things going on there. One is, I think... Sometimes a choice, I imagine, is so apparent and so in, in your face that no one else would have chosen it. Because everyone will think, well, obviously I can't choose that because it's too too obvious, so I thought I'm going to do that. But there's a deeper reason, actually. I, would, I mean, to be honest with you, I should say at the, say at the start, I am not a Bob head. Uh, I have a relationship with Bob Dylan, which, which we'll explore, but I'm not a Bob head. So, for example, as some of your listeners may know I do a podcast about David Bowie, mm-hmm. and quite recently I did Desert Island Discs. Fairly recently, and I chose—I would say a really obscure bit of Bowie, an almost aggressively obscure bit of Bowie. <laughs> I chose his reworking of a B-side conversation piece uh, as my Desert Island Disc, and that was sort of deliberately saying, "Yeah, you won't know this, but obviously proper Bowie fans will." But so with Bob, I feel freer—I feel freer <laughs> not to j- yeah. not to do that. Um, and the reason I partly chose this is I actually think the phrase in the jingle-jangle morning, is a very beautiful phrase. But also, for me, I could be wrong, but I feel that the 60s, the turnaround, that Bob Dylan kind of single-handedly affected in the 60s and in what pop music lyrically could do happens there. Um, And I think that's because I feel up to that point, the poetry that Bob was doing is mainly kind of folky and political and blah, 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 and protest-singy with the phrase jingle jangle morning which isn't that it's just a pure piece of surrealist poetry it reminds me a bit of let us go then you and i when the evening spread out against the, against the sky like a patient etherized upon a table it's a simile that seems to make no apparent sense than yet does Mm. in the way that the best poetry should and i can't think of a moment in pop music which i'm considering miss Man" to be Uh, i know it's sort of bridging the gap between folk and pop but it feels Mm -hmm. to me like Mm -hmm. it's on the way to pop um because it's not a protest song um that that does that in the same way and it has that sort of like uh, sunshine psychedelic sort of spiritual but doesn't really mean anything but sounds beautiful thing <laughs> that the 60s would go on to to reproduce in all in all sorts of ways um and so it feels to me it's that and then this morning i actually thought i should check this out a bit so i so I, you may or being bob hess you may know this but jingle jangle morning was well jingle jangle was stolen uh, in the way that bob often felt stuff from lord buckley do you know about this
0: no, I didn't, I, I didn't know. We knew know? that he was a big Lord Buckley fan. Yeah, yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Lord Buckley. Yeah. Right, I know you can very explain little. who Lord Buckley is. Well, I know. I know not. very little about him. I think he was just a kind of vaudevillian he, he, he was figure. The,
0: he was like a, the hip. He, he, yeah. he was more hip than he. He, he, invent, he sort of took, I, as I understand it, took fifties yeah. lingo and incorporated. He only spoke. In, he didn't speak English, he just spoke hip. Yes, well, I think he's a bit like... Who's the guy in the
1: Bonzo Dog Doodar band over here? Viv
0: Stansel. Yes, he's a bit yeah. like an
1: American version of Vivian Stanshall, because yeah. Vivian Stansel would play a kind of posh, you know, castle-owning mm. British gent in yes. a very ironic way. And it sounds mm. to me like Lord Buckley was a version of that. Mm. And Lord Buckley did a monologue in which... And here's my point, really. He referred to Jingle Jangle Bells. Mm. And that's where he got the phrase from, apparently. But I would say it's Bob's genius not to say bells, yeah, yeah, because bells is just a really a version of jingle it's bells. It's sort
2: of logical, isn't it? It's sort of logical. Yeah. It's mm. not.
1: A, it's not really poetic. It's no. just slightly expanding on on jingle
2: bells. Is he responsible for the phrase jangly guitars? Do you we think?
1: Well, jangly guitars. I often wonder if that comes from jingle jangle, it and must obviously be. the birds version of it is probably the first instance of what, yeah. you know, Think we think of as jangly electric it guitars. Be. It must be. But I still think, what does it mean, jingle jangle morning? That's mm. what interests mm. me. It doesn't really mean anything, and yet somehow it does. Yeah. Somehow it is indicative of a sort of feeling you might get on a morning when you're a bit like spaced out but happy and mm. whatever. That's why mm. I find it a very uplifting phrase. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I chose it. I think it's the start of the 60s, of the cultural moment mm. of the 60s is there.
2: And it's a good two years before anything called itself psychedelic, isn't it? Apart from legal... Well, he Alabama wrote State.
1: it. As far as I'm aware, well, he wrote Miss Tambourine Man in 64, mm-hmm. um, but it's on bringing it all back home, isn't it? Yes, um, So he writes it at the same time he's writing Chimes of Freedom, mm-hmm. sort of the same... But Chimes of Freedom, I think, if you look at that, which is also obviously a piece of poetry, yeah. has there been a bigger me- mixed metaphor than <laughs> I, saw, I saw the Chimes of Freedom flashing? Flash, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chimes mm-hmm. are, after all, a sound.
2: Well, when he performed it at uh, Bill Clinton's inauguration, I'm convinced he said flushing.
0: No, really, yeah, <laughs> it's closer. Yeah. Maybe it's a they can flush it back. <laughs> yeah. But it As was way ahead of its time, wasn't it? Because we we had uh, Ken Kenneth Cranham, the actor, on yeah. on here, who was at the Royal Festival Hall in '64 when he performed Mister Tambourine Man before the album came out, yeah. right? And he said the audience was just you know, stunned
2: because... Well, you can hear it on the, the concert recordings available and it's that, that rare recording of Mr. Tambourine Man that no, in concert
0: that nobody claps at. Right, really. Because they've never heard of Yeah, because they were expecting right. the protest stuff. Yes. And then he comes up with this thing, which, yes. as you say, it initiated the 60s.
1: But that's really fascinating, isn't it? Because obviously later on at the Albert Hall you know, people are mm-hmm. expecting that and then he does the electric stuff. Yes, but it's yes. interesting that Mr. Tambourine Man by lyrically itself could have created that.
2: There's a link there to Kerouac, this image well, people of often Tambourine
1: say, Man. say Rambo, not, not the Sylvester <sighs> Stallone yeah, one. No. Rambo. Rambo oui. the poet. And uh, I don't know much Rambo, the poet, yeah. but apparently people say that the influence of Rambo is well, on Mr. Tambourine Man.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I mean, a lot of Rambo is about um, mixing the senses. It's yeah. like, you know, colours, synesthesia, smell and things sort, like that. Yeah. So it's very much like Times of Freedom. You know? Yeah, exactly that's
1: yeah what but what I feel about about you know, uh, blowing in the wind chimes of freedom. Well, you know, he's a protest singer and mm. he's a poetic protest singer. But you kind of think, I know what this is about. Straightforwardly, you know, it's about freedom and yeah. whatever. And then suddenly, you don't quite know what Mister Tambourine Man is about. In fact, he's always denied it's about drugs, which is what people think it's about. Yeah. Although I've yeah. always thought, I'm waiting for my boot heels to go wandering. Sounds a lot like <laughs> you're on drugs to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, my own experience suggests to me that 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 it sort of is about drugs. Right. Um, I saw Bob. Uh, that was I mean, going to be one
0: of our questions. Not recently. When did um, you
1: see him? Well, I saw him at a good time, I think. Not not, not, gr- not the absolute greatest time. But in the same year, 1978, I saw Bowie. I think that was a great time to see Bowie. I saw him at Earl's Court. I also saw Dylan at Earl's Court. Wow. Um, and he was really good. He was really good. I remember there was a lot of dope in the air. Yes. Uh, and the main thing I remember is him uh, doing I Shall Be Released... And putting his hands in the air in a slightly crucifix like way. I remember thinking that for a guy who was Hmm. kind of thought of as a bit messianic, I wondered if that was a bit dangerous. And
2: it was the year before he went full out
1: Jesus. Full out Jesus, yeah. yeah. But it was, I seem to remember it was really good. I mean, I was a long time ago and I was very
2: young. Hey, lots uh, of people say the same thing. We've had a few guests who have seen him at Ars Court in 78, and they've all said it was tremendously moving.
1: Yeah, I seem to remember it was really good. I I, I mean, one of the issues I have with Bob. I have a few issues with Bob. I don't know whether you want me to bring these Tell up too us early. To go. <laughs> well, one of the issues I have with Bob is a very straightforward one, which is I know people who go and see him now, and you might be amongst them, <laughs> who say, oh, he was great. I mean, now. And I have seen footage of Bob now. and I have been <laughs> offered tickets to go see Bob now. I have turned them down because I just don't <laughs> want to see him go... Mr. Had- <laughs> Tabri, man, play a song for me. i mean, I just thinking, like, why are you ruining the
2: songs, Bob? There's a lot of tune in that impression. <laughs> that's that's yeah. giving me a lot of No, sure. we
0: were discussing it just before you came in about how uh, he's coming this summer and right. uh, we are not going to see him. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we love him too much. Yeah, I find it... I mean,
1: I don't love him as much as you do,
0: and I find it painful.
1: I think, like... Yeah. But do you have any idea what the intention is, <laughs> the artistic intention of this endless sort of destruction I, I, I want of to the say something kind of as
2: trite as keep on keeping on but to, right. me, to me he, he sounds yeah. like a tradesman who just you know if he was a carpenter he would carry on building shelves and he's a performer so he carries on performing
0: uh, that in sounds that pretty kind of, neat kind of, and funny. trying to keep it fresh you know yeah. he's done a zillion shows and you know all about trying to keep things fresh uh, and he, one way is to just destroy them in various different angles well I do know that angles, I, I know.
1: did a six month tour just recently of a show which was about my family and uh, it was important for me that i've made it new as well and it was difficult to do that every night and i did sometimes think i'm going to try delivering this bit in a way that i know isn't the obvious way to deliver it to try and kind of shock myself out of doing Mm. it in in, in an auto way Mm. i never did as shit as
0: that no but he's done you know those songs as A trillion times, I guess. No, but but I'm not defending it, because I find it as frustrating and kind of awful. In fact, uh, Luke sent me something the other day from
2: 1997.
0: It was a song on Planet Waves, Mm. and uh, because we thought we might be talking about that. Yeah, I I like Planet Waves. and, uh, And... I had been listening to the original Planet Waves, mm. and then Luke sent me the 1997 version. Of and Tough Mama. Of Tough, Tough Mama, yeah. which is a great song. It is a good song. He, he sings it with such passion on the album. And I found it so depressing. Even in 1997, he was... He was not he doing was it properly. Ju- he was like s- just strangling it and stomping on it and pointing think, its eyes don't out. Don't you think that's awful.
1: interesting, though? I think what's interesting about that is... Because I think uh, people think, I think, that when Bob Mangles... Mr. Tambourine Man, or Like a Rolling Stone. It's a kind of fuck you to the audience who have come to hear the hits. But Tough Mama... That's quite an unusual.
0: Well, song. it
2: almost becomes I think Choose. with something like why, tough, why, why, I
0: think he was doing his best. I have to say, I think he was okay. doing his best and probably had I mean, a long tour. Okay, so he wasn't deliberately mangling it. He I don't think you, he was. He it. just he sounded like a uh, like he was really tired.
2: Well, the right. mistake for me was was trying to track down the bootleg of this recording. If I'd come in here and said, you know, twenty two years ago I went to see Bob Dylan and he did Tough Mama, that'd be mm. a fantastic anecdote because yeah. in your head you wouldn't think he destroyed it, but I went and ruined it by getting hold of the right. recording. of he and does. To he does ruin the it. The fact that he did it is 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 great. I I mean, I think one yeah. of the things
1: about your point about him just keeping on, keeping on is I think uh, I personally think one of the things I do think is a very, very great moment of Dylan's. And also, I think almost up there with Jingle Jangle Morning as a way of defining the 60s mm. is his great interview um, that he does with that host of uh, journalists is it in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. When the he, they say, uh, you yeah. know, December are you 65? the voice of a generation? Yeah. He says, no, I think I'm kind of a song and dance man. Mm. That one. That I mean, I find that interview brilliant and fascinating yes because it's also again a huge leap of the imagination which seems to just come to him naturally to think i won't be like subservient to the Mm. press i won't be essentially nice and doffing my cap or even like the beatles were sort of like a bit jolly and whatever i'm actually going to take the piss and be ironic and not Mm. take any of their questions seriously and that again set the you know, template for lots of... I mean, all the way to the sex pistols, right. basically. Mm, yeah. You know, like, like we don't take you seriously. And 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 Bob does it with the greatest elan, I think, because he just seems to think this is funny. Yeah,
0: because you and,
2: wouldn't catch you know Elvis Presley doing that. No, I and mean, no, Seven no, years later, not. they're interviewing him, and he's saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. No, oh, no, totally I just not. No, this, no, I mean, no, it's
1: but, incredibly subversive, yeah. I think. But I don't think Bob even thinks about it. I think yeah. he just does no, it. Well, that is yeah.
0: kind of Bob. I mean, yeah. if you see Don't Look Back, you realise he's doing it, all the time in yeah. press conferences and yeah. to his friends and yeah. to his manager and to his... Yeah. Well, I suppose the temptation
2: when you realize that lots of very earnest people are hanging on your every word, mm. you must think, right, well, start giving them some different words. Yeah. You know, this will fuck but up. But
1: I think he's kind of instinctively, often without quite knowing how or why, what he's doing it for, funny. Mm. I, think, I think he just, like, his instinctive reaction, I mean, certainly then, you know, you can see he's enjoying the oh, fact yeah. that this is... I mean, there's so many of them as well. Oh, yeah. Like, 50 journalists. They're all expecting him to say very profound things, and everything he says is a gag,
2: really. Well, there's that very, very um, po-faced guy asking him about the images of, of motorcycles in his music. Yeah, yeah. Takes, we all love
1: motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, right. And you yeah, think, we'll to love, some degree, yeah. you know... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it's yeah. perfectly poised, as you say, between irony and trying to answer the question. Yeah. And I think... But, but I must realise there's no point. But I wonder that. if
1: that fits into what you're saying about him keeping on, keeping on. Because I wonder if Bob, at some level, is always rejecting this idea that he's a kind of you know supernatural, you know great poetic yeah, figure. Even though he, it's like I'm just a song and dance man, and thus I keep going, you know, because yeah. that this is my job, man. You know what I mean?
2: It's a really good point because you would go mad if you thought the other, wouldn't you?
1: The, what? Jr.: well, you being supernatural. Yeah. If
2: you thought I am some kind of mystical genius, well, lots of, and lots and,
1: of. People have decided yes. that is true about themselves yes. and, and gone mad. And yeah. they've not
2: had the kind of longevity that, that Dylan has. So maybe that's the key. I don't well, know. Well, I, I, yeah.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is true and if people will find this slightly offensive. I don't know, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is what I perceive in Bob is, is a slight on the spectrumness. Mm-hmm. When oh, he's yeah. interviewed, I think he's slightly on the spectrum. Right. And one of the things I like about that is a lot of my. Actual heroes. Like, for example, people say to me, people ask me about being Jewish. They say, You're Jewish, but you don't believe in God. I say, No, that's correct. I don't believe in God, but I believe in Larry David. Uh, And one one of the things about Larry David is jerry seinfeld will say about larry david is this is a guy who was working clubs in 1977 and now you know earns 250 billion dollars from the uh, you know syndication of seinfeld is exactly the same person mm. hasn't changed at all and there's yeah. something on the spectrum-ish about that yes. and I, I perceive it actually myself and bob i would say is at the very hard end of it because i think i wonder if he's exactly the same person he's always been and nothing's mm. ever really affected him
0: maybe Maybe. I think he certainly can't stop moving if you see yeah. him in Don't Look Back even when, you know, when he's typing he's typing and smoking and, and composing and talking and watching TV at the same time mm. he's, he's always multi-multitasking and he's and, twitching and sort of he's always twitching like things, when, you, when you see him in, in concert he, he can't sit st- still even as an old man you know. Right. He, he would, the last time we did go to see him a couple of years ago and uh, he would, uh, he'd be up his, at his piano he'd sit for one song then he'd stand for one song then he'd cross to the other side of the stage Grab the mic and sort of move back and forth, singing his sort of Sinatra covers. Then he'd go back again, and he wouldn't—he wouldn't stay to sing to sing like three or four Sinatra covers. He'd go back to the piano, right. sit, stand, you know, sort of kind of restless energy. Restless. I, I just don't. Th- I think he can't keep still, his boot heels, you know, really are always wandering. Because I don't really, I believe him when he says it's not a drug song. Of course, yes, I think he was doing quite a few drugs. Mm. But I think he's one of those guys, I remember when I was in high school, there was this um, girl who wrote something for the high school yearbook, of which I was the editor, that was called uh, Naturally Stoned. (laughs) And you can imagine what it was, a high school (laughs) poem about, you know, walking in nature and stuff. But I do think that Dylan is naturally stoned. Yes, Mm. he's done shitloads of drugs, but I think to wake up, he wakes up every morning, and it is kind of like a jingle jangle morning, and yeah. not necessarily in a good way. I mean, no, I, I wouldn't want to be that.
1: No, 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 I think his, I think his appreciation is is Bob is through Bob's filter the whole time, and it's mm-hmm. a, you know, it's hard to describe what that is, but it never seems to change. But I quite admire that because I think you know he doesn't, you know, he's very different from Bowie in that respect. In that I think you know, much as I love Bowie, and I do love Bowie as an artist more than I love Dylan, I think that. Bowie never quite knew himself who he was. And so was constantly trying out different ways of being and was very theatrical, was essentially an actor Mm. uh, and found brilliant music through that, you know, needing to be an actor. But Bob, even though he's, you know, obviously been folk and electric and Christian and all that stuff, I don't think that's Bob trying out different hats. I think that's Bob just thinking, yeah, I'll do this now, Mm. you know, because it comes to him in a Bob moment, you know what I mean? I don't think he's trying to be anything ever except Bob.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I was listening to your podcast, uh, the one with Ricky Gervais, today, and uh, there's, he, Ricky told this story about uh, uh, Bowie making coffee yeah. for him and his, his uh, girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to imagine Bob doing that somehow, unless it, maybe no. he tried. That's what, I think that the Woodstock years, the years that he was married and having kids and things, yeah. are kind of in a way sort of tragic because he's really trying to be someone else. right? And I, 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 find, okay. it, I, I find it almost painful to contemplate yeah. Him trying to be this but I find faithful that, husband making yeah, coffee.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was. But that, even that thing about Ricky is interesting because one thing I do kind of know about, about Bowie is that he was really into comedy. And I think when he met Ricky, he kind of wanted to impress Ricky. I mean, David Bowie <laughs> yeah. and wanted Ricky to be his mate, which is kind of sweet, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can't imagine Bob ever wanting anyone to be his mate or being worried about it or whatever. I think he
2: genuinely doesn't care what anybody thinks of it. No, genuinely not at all. I mean, that is brilliant, I think. Well, in the entertainment business, that's unique, I think. I can't think of anybody else who's like that, but it's an incredible strength as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, who who does Bob hang out with? Do you know what I mean? We don't have any sense of that.
2: No, I mean, we've heard stories from past guests about him, you know, going to pick up the grandkids at school and going to to sporting events and things like that, but th- you've got to dig for that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I cause mean, most rock stars, you know, Bowie, Bono, people like that, they end up hanging out with film stars and models and yeah. whatever else it might be. Oh, no, you know, you never really see him with anyone apart from his band. No, that's true.
2: That's true. I mean, you say, I mean, you saw him in 78. W- when When did he hit you?
1: Well, I was going to mention that as well, which is, I think part of my conflicted relationship with Bob is... I grew up at a time just before punk, I was getting into music uh, and I had this book, the enemy encyclopedia of rock, Mm. uh, which I, you know, I couldn't afford that much, that many records. So I found out about lots of music that I'd hadn't heard. And I, there was this incredible veneration of Bob round about that time, sort of pre-punk. Mm. And Highway 61, Revisited, was sort of absolutely set in stone. That's the greatest album sort of all time. Mm. I think when I was growing up, considered by rock critics to be considerably better than Sgt. Pepper or whatever, mm. sort of before the Beatles had been slightly reinvented. Uh, and so... I thought, oh, I can't wait to get this. can't wait to. Get. And eventually, I got enough money, and it sort was of one of the first albums I bought. And I put it on, and I just thought, what is that? <laughs> heard, what is that noise? I hadn't heard any Bob at all. I just went yeah. and bought it on the basis of all these venerated critics. I don't know what I expected, but I sort of didn't expect. The the complications of Bob's voice, his really rough, you know, mouth organ playing, all that—it really struck me initially as, "Oh bloody hell, I'm not (laughs) sure I like this at all." Uh, And then, very over the years, I have come to think, "Oh no, I I really can, can see what I really like about it and what's really good about it," but. That's, it didn't come to me naturally in the way that it absolutely did the first time I heard Starman. Yeah. Or indeed, you know, other things like I quite famously uh, wanted to be a punk rocker and did really like punk rock. I liked lots of things in punk rock because I was sort of 14 when the Sex Pistols hit. Yeah. But then a friend of mine who went on to be in a band called The Sundays who were a very beautiful indie band uh, who's my oldest friend, Dave Gaffery played me Wind and Wuthering by Genesis, hmm. right? And I loved it, and thought, "Oh, that's terrible!" Right? <laughs> what a terrible thing to like <laughs> at this point in time and culture. Yeah, but I just did like it because I just it was intensely, and is intensely musical. Yeah. And Bob isn't in that way, you know, he's not. And and so it took me a while, and there are still bits of Bob I find very difficult to listen to. To be yeah. honest, I can't really listen to any of the later stuff because. I do love Bob's voice but only in a very particular kind of window Mm -hmm. which is sort of when it has a bit of depth and it isn't too nasal Mm. I find like almost everything from about the 90s onwards just to like a fly. That's buzzing. So <laughs> buzzing very loudly. A, I mean things that people like, like Time Out of Mind and stuff yeah. like that. And I like there's one or two songs that I think Not Dark Yet is a brilliant song and yeah. there's a couple of other songs, but still the voice is so it's so like thin and reedy and, and sort of I don't know what the word is, but like a fly thin buzzing. Reedy, yeah. Yeah, I find yeah. it really difficult to take. Whereas I like you know, there's a sound of desolation. Row of his voice is brilliant, I yeah. think, mm. um, but it doesn't stay. Do you, th-
2: as, a, as a Bowie fan, I've got to ask you: Do you like the stuff he did with Mick Ronson? I don't know what stuff Bob Dylan wow. did with me okay, Ronson you'll have to tell me, well I'll tell me what. No, no. no. well it, don't he, he took it, Rick, Mick Ronson went on tour with him for 1975 and I think into 76 did he on, I on had no oh, idea on Rolling Thunder No, yeah. yeah. oh, I didn't know that was Mick Ronson yeah. yeah. no, yeah.
0: which was an odd choice yeah. really well, odd choice Mick well, Ronson except, when he was called up he didn't know Bob Dylan it was no a, like, he must have done he played on song for Bob Dylan on Hunky Dory okay fair enough no I don't think he knew him personally because I read an interview where he said well Bob Dylan's people just called me up and asked to go on tour with him well he
1: sort of fallen out with david by then right uh, mm-hmm. because david was always sacking band members and mm. and you know i mean mick and david were obviously incredible although you know he did go on to do really brilliant stuff with earl slick and all sorts of other people mm. um but um i imagine mick was sort of looking for for
2: work round mm. about then
1: because he he'd been sacked by david basically but that i didn't know
2: that and yeah. I'm it's a very strange period of his career because, I mean, you can see some of these photographs on stage. There's Bob Dylan, there's Mick Ronson, there's Roger McGuinn, in some oh, really? cases, Joni Mitchell. But that's Alan Rolling Ginsburg. Thunder. Yeah, yeah.
1: The Rolling yeah. Thunder. Yeah, but that's, that is a good period. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah.
2: And if you listen to the, the, there's a bootleg series, you can find it on Spotify. You don't need to buy it. It's on, um, Uh, I think it's the Bootleg Series Volume (laughs) 5.
1: So, actually, I listened to one of those today. The Bootleg Series. Oh my God, there's so many of them. Well, the the
2: 75 one that begins with tonight, um, I'll be staying here with you. So, the version of. It's a, it's a hard range going to fall. Yeah. That's Mick Ronson playing guitar. On oh, that. is it? Yeah. Because
1: I was listening to the another self portrait one. Oh, yeah. This mm-hmm. morning because that's got quite a lot of. Because we talked about Planet Waves and I was wondering about New Morning as well. Like I, because you've said to me, lots of people go on about Blood on the Tracks. Don't talk about Blood on the Tracks. <laughs> and, at, and at the end of the day, Blood on the Tracks probably is my favourite Bob yeah. album. album. But then I thought, well, <clears throat> I wonder about the albums that immediately preceded it Mm. and how how he got out of the kind of self-portrait morass because that is such a weird album (laughs) towards uh, you know with New Morning and Planet Waves towards Mm. uh, artistic you know greatness with Blood on the Tracks so I like that's kind of why I like those two albums because you can sort of see him finding his voice again well
2: I said to Kerry this week and Mm. I've been trying to persuade Kerry to like Planet Waves since we started doing these things and I think he's getting there but I I listened to it again Mm. for pleasure and because we thought we might talk about it and I think you know, to a different tempo. I think dirge is the beginnings of Idiot Wind. You yeah. know, there's theatrical imagery, the, the kind of self-loathing. It's all, it's all coming
1: what, in. There. Yeah, I what, like Hazel as well. Going, yeah. going, gone. I like. I it. Yeah. Going, going, gone. Yeah. yeah, fantastic.
0: But and I always, I, I never listened to that album. Sort of, I always find it a bit of a trial, even though there's some wonderful love songs on it mm. in a Bob Dylan style. But it, it was the, it was certain things that punched me in the face, like, like dirge. Mm. Which I now I I listened to the album a lot this week, and I now get dirge. I didn't I I I didn't even I didn't want to get it. I think it's so. I think it's awful. I in (laughs) that the I don't mean it's an awful song. I think. I think again it's it's that thing of him trying to be a good person Right. Uh, and, and I I find it but musically I also find it really interesting the uh, his it's just piano and Robbie Robertson's yeah, guitar as yeah, what I, I like They're about like it. it's beautiful the yeah. the music is absolutely beautiful and I, but I the the sentiment of I hate myself for loving you uh, I find, and uh, you were just a painted face on a trip down Suicide Road. No, but, that is, but,
1: that is, but isn't that great? It is it. great in a way, but I, I find it difficult. Because another thing I think about Bob, which is fascinating, I think, um, particularly like with him getting the Nobel Prize and whatever, is that I think that a lot of his lyrics are not very humane. Again, that's to do that's with him. him being just himself. Like, if you listen to Positively Fourth Street or whatever, yeah. or indeed, Like a Rolling Stone... So much of his lyrics are just im- sneeringly angry Mm. with somebody, Mm. I kind of wonder how many people pissed Bob Dylan off because so many of his songs are just I fucking hate you and I'm going to make fun of you and your pretensions do you know what I mean? I kind of think, how is this possible that so many people pissed you off?
0: (laughs) Well somebody said to him, hey Bob, you know I'm your friend, (laughs) don't ever say that to Bob (laughs) Dylan but I think when when it comes to uh, Planet Waves, for me the the humor is uh, there's, it's, it's not very funny and that to me no, it, no. it's like all the humor has no, been stripped away no, it's, it's not
1: just the, the and I torture. don't know the fast version of Forever Young no, kind of, who does? Yeah, you you know, I love the fact that he yeah. did it you know. but actually didn't he do that first and then, and then I don't know whether someone said oh, or whether he just no. decided to do it slower
2: I don't know that's it's, what I heard it, well it's possible I've, not, I've, I've no idea which was recorded first the whole album was done in about three days so they'd be very close to each other but I do like the fact that he did it because it says you think I'm this thing. One mm. song later, haha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I like that yeah. about it. Yes. but yes. I would never sit down and listen to the fast one out of choice. Yeah. Um, oh, I,
0: I think I quite like it. Do I think you like, like the fast one? Yeah, I don't like it better, but I think it's it's kind of uh, jolly and it's slightly th- the, the 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 slow one is a li- in bits a little too earnest for me. It. it Gives me the creeps a bit, yeah. right?
1: But he did go. A, I mean, there are earnest yeah. songs later on. I don't mind that because I think Bob spent so long being either completely elusive what he meant, or as I say, sneering. Mm. That I thought it was good that he was, you know, mellow enough. I mean, one of my absolute favourite songs is "If You See Her, Say Hello." Yeah, you know, and that is just a properly earnest, vulnerable love song. Yeah, and I think that takes maturity in a way somewhere other, even in Bob's. Bobness to think I'm not going to do a song where no one knows what it means, or it's just like an mm. expression of my anger. and it's just a vulnerable love song. No, I, it's
0: it's beautiful, but th- there's some. I mean, my problem, I- even just a couple of Duff tracks, which I, I did consider Dirge a Duff track, which I don't anymore. Mm. But I still have trouble with wedding song. I have a lot. Oh, of actually, I like wedding them. song. Me too. I love I, the, I, I like love wedding them, yeah. song. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, it's, I mean, I like
1: the love songs really. I kind of like it when Bob. Just does a love song even if it's a slightly tortured love song like you're saying like Dirt or whatever (laughs) by the way I heard something this morning that I hadn't heard before and for all I know everyone who knows Dylan knows but I never heard it before I don't think it's on an album I think it's just on a bootleg it's called keep keep it in mind. is that right? I'll
0: keep it with mine. I'll keep yeah. it with mine? Yeah, It is it's, on one of the bootleg uh, yeah. official it's, But it's not official. On, official like he was going to record it for Blonde on Blonde,
1: and then didn't, is what I read. Yes, that's about right. In no, had it before, a lovely song. He recorded it for back
0: home. He
2: gave it to Nico, I think. Judy Collins. Judy Collins, beg pardon. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's got terrible
0: taste in his own songs. We've right. Esta- that's one thing we've established. But also, I mean, the demo is really brilliant. It's just him,
1: piano, Yeah, it's him singing really powerfully, and then it's, like, but also, not,
0: not
2: on any album. what tends to happen with his songs is he'll be he'll be knocking them out in the studio and working on them, and he'll be seem to be behind it. And one too many people will say, Bob, that's great. Right. And he'll go, fuck this, then. Isn't that interesting, though? Because, in a way, <laughs> a, lot of, a
1: lot of the stuff that we've talked about is this perversity. Yeah. It just seems to me he's, like, the most perverse, yeah. you know, great cultural figure that mm. you can think of. I can't really think of anyone who's so... Like, no, I can't uh, Marty, even what you said about uh, Forever Young, which is like, he did it and then he thought, yeah. oh, I'm not letting you get away with thinking yes, I'm this guy. Exactly. He's like, he's always got to turn the table. Like, but why? Who Who is it in your head, Bob, that you constantly
0: know. think you're having to upend?
2: Well, it just, it just means, I mean, we talked about him constantly moving, I and mean, he is constantly moving. And he, I think he, he is he, trying he's, to be,
0: you know, he's got this thing about being honest, I think, to live outside the law, you must be honest. But yeah. also, I think he, he doesn't want to seem to be a liar. You yeah. know, he, and and yes. so, it, it, maybe that's a way of keeping yourself honest, is to yeah. make sure that everything is, is, there's nothing fixed. But there is something
1: quite sort of immature about it as well, yes. well in a good way I yes. think I mean that's why I said that you know that uh, San Francisco press conference leads to the Sex Pistols or indeed if you watch, ever watch Lou Reed doing interviews like it all like <laughs> unbelievably rude for no reason yeah. really mm-hmm. to people asking yeah. perfectly normal questions mm-hmm. and it's that slight sort of punk thing of like young even when not young anymore, needing to say, you know, I'm going to stick it to the man.
2: Well, I a think. lot of people think, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I throw this out there as a theory. A lot of people think that Bob Dylan kind of invented punk in about 65, 66 with that sneer. Yeah, well, I think that's right. You know, no, that, I think that's correct. I, mean, it's I don't
1: think that is ridiculous good. at all.
2: Good. I'm, well, yeah. I'm with you. I just wanted to put it <laughs> yeah. out there and just test it. First. No, no,
1: that's because punk has got a sort of snotty anger at everything. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Positively, Fourth Street, mm. I mean, absolutely could be a punk you know,
2: song. I mean, this song's called I Don't Believe You. It used to be like that. Now it goes like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Play it fucking yeah, loud. Yeah, no, that you know? is brilliant. Now, yeah. obviously
1: that's one of the greatest moments in, yeah. in cultural history. Hmm. When he says, I don't believe you, and he says, play it fucking loud. I mean, it's incredible in a way. Again, what I do think about Bob being on the spectrum, I think he he took leaps of the imagination... But he doesn't know he's taking yeah. moments like that you think like that's so extraordinary
2: when I first saw footage of him doing that song I've got to say when I was very young I thought Bowie I thought you know he had this sort kind of harlequin shirt on oh, he and his face amazing, looks very he? white yeah. and he's very, making these kind of theatrical shapes with his yeah. hands yeah. and it's something declamatory and theatrical and I, th- and I yeah. thought yeah this is somewhere between punk and David Bowie isn't
1: yeah. it well it's just it's it's just it's also it, it, I mean, he's very beautiful at that point in time yeah. and he is a he's a rock star which again is something you sort of can't imagine when you see him in 1963. Yeah, yeah. You know, just with the little, slightly too small guitar, yes. you know. But, you know, I don't know how what how Bob's thinking got him there. It is very mystical, in a way.
2: I think he was moving too fast for even himself to keep a track of at that mm. point. You know, the only mm. way he could stop was literally crash his motorcycle and, and, and run away from people for about a year and yeah. reassess things, you know. Can I ask you about
1: the Christian
2: period?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I've occasionally ventured in mm. to the Christian period because people tell me the music's great in the mm. Christian period. I haven't found that.
0: No, well, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. I I still, I'm waiting for the hand of, uh, the hand of God. Jesus yeah. to, to touch me. So yeah. well, either, either or. Yeah. yeah, because they say that, you know, don't, don't try to go to Bob, let Bob. Uh, you know, touch you and oh, right. you, like you wake up one day and say, "Oh, I feel like I'm going to understand the Christian period," yeah. but that hasn't happened to no. me. I, I can't would get past a lot of it. No. I would
2: recommend having it. And if you can't find it, I'll send you the link. But on YouTube, there, I hope it's still there when I, you know, this goes out. There's a clip of him doing the song "Saved" in Toronto in April 1980. It's not on that massive box set that came out um, mm. annoyingly, um, although similar versions are, and it's. Fucking amazing! I mean, it is it, it absolutely blows the roof off the place. Right. And I mean, it's funny because they they called it Christian for a long time, and then they started calling it gospel. Right? Which I think, in musical terms, is more acceptable. because yeah. Lots of people have made <laughs> yeah. songs. That, well, even uh, frankly, well, exactly, <laughs> you, you can, yeah, you can justify her. gospel. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound quite as 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 dodgy as Christian rock. Yeah. And I think it is Christian rock, though. Well, yeah, no, I, th- I think mm. it's an interesting point because, but 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 that performance of saved. I feel like a way about that that i do when i when i hear the greatest gospel if i hear the staple singers mm. or I hear hank williams sometimes i can think yeah. i kind of like the idea of god I, I still don't really believe in it but this notion of the afterlife and this this notion that you're presenting me through your music sounds credible
1: yeah
2: and that version of saved Kind of does it
1: for me, yeah. There's the, a Lenny Kravitz song called Rose Marie, oh yeah, which is a Christian rock song which I really like. Okay, yeah, just listeners, go and go listen to it. I <laughs> it's straightforwardly Christian rock song, Spotify playlist. It's, yeah, here it's exactly. actually a really good song, I but so. I but that's my point, it's musically really good, yeah. so I can handle the fact that you know, in the middle of it, he starts going on about Jesus but I've never I, I, have, well, I go and listen to Save but Slow Train Coming and all that kind of stuff no, I, mean, it, I it, just well, it's, think it,
2: I mean it's recorded with great musicians in a really funky studio in Alabama you know and, and so that carries it a certain way but ultimately you are going to have to listen to When He Returns and think do
0: I buy this or not mm. I mean I would rather listen to the, the album that I uh, gave you uh, oh, yeah. last week what's it? it's called Black, Black America, America Sings, Sings Dylan right, right. available and, through
2: Ace Records and right. we have got to plug them because and, their compilations are superb okay, and so. it's
0: basically all these uh, wonderful black singers from the 60s and 70s and everything is sung with incredible soul mm. I don't think there are any of his Christian songs on it who is the, that there's, there's a
1: black singer with an acoustic guitar who sings Dylan oh, I can't remember her name now Odetta yes mm-hmm. she's like her, her version of Dylan or something else yeah, aren't they yeah, yeah. they're really extraordinary some of them are very very sort of like strangled and go on forever and they
2: perversely enough were, were Elvis Presley's way into Dylan as well if you listen to Elvis Presley's cover of Tomorrow is a Long Time it's basically Odetta's version is it yeah yeah yeah. It just okay. takes the arrangement. Wow. How, you, how that kind of got there. But, no, the Christian stuff, I mean, you know, the, there's a lot of good stuff on that box set. Some of it live, some of it studio. But it's tricky because the message is so in your face. Mm. And a lot of people have that problem. Yeah, no,
1: lyrically, it's always appalling. I mean, mm. appalling, particularly, you know, for someone who obviously was was a great lyricist. Uh, but, can I just say something that, about that? Which is, I think, Bob is a, is a great lyricist in an evocative way. Um, and I think he was the first person, as I said before, to make pop music uh, an art form lyrically or whatever. There's not that much in Bob that I think of as actually meaningful lyrics. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I like a lot of his lyrics. I think they are evocative and and they move me and I think, oh, that's very beautiful. But, for example, I remember when I was at college, uh, a friend of mine... It was a massive Bob head. You he might be listening to this. David Lewis, if you're listening to this, hello. Anyway, he was the first person to really turn me on to Bob when I was a teen, when I'd sort of like gone off him when I, in my 20s, sort of turned back to him by, by this mm-hmm. guy, David. And, uh, and I'll tell you, actually, he's then friendly. another guy who you might know, uh, who's John Wesley Harding. Do you know him? The singer, Sean oh, Hardy.
0: Oh, heard of him, don't know. Okay, his yeah. real name
1: is Wes Stace. He was at college with me. Uh-huh. Just um, so I was in a band with the two of them. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, sorry, what's... Was... We're talking about lyrics that move you and lyrics Yeah, that so yeah, he yeah. mentioned uh, that the ghost of electricity plays in the bones of her, howls face. And the bones howls of her face. Howls in yeah. the bones of her face. which is from Positions of Johanna, is Indeed, that right? yes. And uh, that's a kind of an example of what I mean in that I, uh, I think that sounds like poetry mm. rather than is actual... Poetry, uh, and I—I don't—I would say that's not up there with Philip Larkin. Right? its, it's kind e- okay. of beautiful, right? Whereas I think a lot of Leonard Cohen's lyrics actually are. Yes. Like, I think a
2: lot of Leonard Cohen's lyrics actually are. You know, there's, a, uh, you know, that it's hard to hold the hand of someone who's reaching for the sky just to surrender and all that stuff. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah.
1: And well, and the lyrics of Chelsea Hotel and whatever, like, you know, are just sort of yeah. so extraordinary. Um, and I, yeah, so I think. To some extent, I think lyrically, even though I think he's a greater figure and a, and a greater musician, or whatever, I would say Bob is more John the Baptist, Selenico is Jesus. Yes. You know, I I'm, think Bob opens the door to a great poet to sing pop music rather than himself always doing great poetry. Sometimes I think Bob sounds like great poetry. True. I know I okay. will upset
2: some listeners with no, that. No, no, that's fair enough. No, I'm going to throw enough. you a lyric yeah. that I've just thought of, which is both Dylan and religious, and, and you can tell me what you think because I think it's one of the best from that era. Let me try I remember it. Can you imagine the darkness that will fall from on high when men will beg God to kill them and they won't be able to die?
1: Well, that just sounds like a mad sort of American preacher <laughs> talking about the end of days, doesn't it? Yeah. That's how like you turn on you the say TV. That like it's a bad thing. You turn on the TV in Alabama, <laughs> and someone's saying that. And you think I must watch the shopping channel?
0: <laughs> let me let me throw a lyric at you. This if your kid brought this home from school, what would you what would you say? You're the other half of what I am. You're the missing piece, and I love you more than ever with that love that doesn't cease. To me. That's, Who's that, what's that from? That is from Bob Dylan's wedding song. Yeah. Oh, that's from wedding song. And I think okay. it's terrible. Okay, well, that is funny. I think that's a greeting card. That's, yeah, that is a greeting card. I mean, card. You, know, he, you know, he, he also, wrote a lot of brilliant stuff, but oh, yeah. he also love wrote more a than good blood. deal of Christmas same same stuff.
2: Song, you know? yeah, like, I just like the
0: music. Great. Great. To, 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 I think that it's a
1: lovely yeah. song, the wedding song. And I, as I say, I think it has to be seen in context, which is, I didn't really know about his struggle to sort of stay married to Sarah whatever. That's in my head. I mean, there's
0: no... But I think there's
1: something interesting about that, don't you think? I mean, therefore, I think that gives it a certain... Greater weight, in a way, that if it is a hallmark card lyric, it's someone trying to think themselves into that, which is interesting.
0: I do agree. I, it is. I think it. I think it's a bad lyric, but I think it's really interesting that he's writing that stuff, just like he wrote the song "Sarah" to try to win her back, which is naked and uh, mm. and sort of mm. terrified. Yeah. and he often talks about how terrified he is that. You know that he'll be left without that that marriage. Ah. I, I don't think the lyrics are always that good, but I do think they're really interesting. Can I tell you what I think yeah. is
1: a great Dylan song that you won't have discussed? I can promise you. Can can I put a bet that this is the Dylan song you won't have discussed Go on this? Right. It's Six Avenue Heartache, which is by Jacob Dylan uh, when he was in. <laughs> cheat. When he, yeah, this is a cheat. Uh, when he was in the war, Wallflowers. the Warflowers. It's right. a great song. Do you know Six Avenue no. Heartache? No, oh, no, don't know. Oh, I mean you should listen stuff. to it. Uh, oh, it's brilliant. I mean, that is a good album, that, whichever one that is on. What, the the f- one. first From, one? Or I wh- think it's their first album, maybe their second album. Um, okay. And his voice at that point, it, it does sound a lot like Bob's voice in the way that I like Bob's yeah. voice. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not quite as rough, but it's got that sort of fullness about it. Mm-hmm. And I was quite into Jacob Dunford. I went and bought his solo album, but the solo album's not great. Uh, but that is a really great song. I recommend it for... I think I'd be interested to know what proper Bobheads thought of that.
0: Yeah, as a proper Bobhead, I've never heard it. I've, I've no, never explored... I've, I've seen pictures of Jacob Dilling, seems like I mean, a good-looking really kid. but No, he's a
1: good-looking kid, but it's so interesting, isn't it, all that? Because for a while, you know, Ziggy Marley and whatever, and Julian Lennon, it was kind of a joke, these sons, and then mm. suddenly you had Tim Buckley and Jeff Buckley, and, yeah. and you thought, oh, wait a minute, it, the DNA does actually work. Yeah. And I think Jacob Dylan had a bit of that for a, for a little while, for a small window. Well,
2: my, my Bob Head fan at drama
0: school certainly was a big Wallflowers fan. I'm just remembering now. He told me to listen to it, and 25 years late, later, maybe I should. I did read some article once where uh, the, uh, when The Wallflowers' first album came out, they equated that with whatever Bob's next album was as a kind of uh, almost a riposte, N- not specifically to the album, but to say... Well, he's out there now, so I've got to, you know, double my game. Right, right. There's a father-son rivalry thing going on. Well, it must be
1: so odd, though. I mean, like, can you imagine being, you know, because I do know uh, a little bit, I know Duncan Jones a little bit, and I think one of the things that Duncan managed to do brilliantly after a while was think, okay, I'm going to be a film director because that's not what my dad did, Mm. you know, and I think that's you know, he said actually on Twitter the other day, he said, Dad's like mine, throw a long shadow, is is what Duncan said the other day on Twitter. He was talking about someone else. Uh, but for, you know, again, if you're like Jacob Dylan and you're in the same thing, you, you know, kind of like you can't imagine the shadow, really.
2: No, you're best off not just talking about it at all aren't you I and mean, if you were someone like that you just I mean, what do you say but then he was successful
1: that's he, the thing. Was, he was he was successful and the wallflower certainly was successful
2: yeah you and know? he said any little giveaway comments like blood on the tracks is the sound of my parents arguing yes if, we just, if anyone else has said it you would say well that's just nonsense but you can't help but no, no, examine the kernel of truth well, if that. anyone else has said it exactly it would definitely be wrong <laughs> yeah but well, there's <laughs> no question that jacob had <laughs> oh the no it's universal, <laughs> it's universal. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think we've got to uh to wrap it up. Do you have anything uh, profound you want to share with us about uh, Bob and or David? Uh, well, I, I don't know much
1: about. Uh, so it's not profound because I don't know where I'm going with this. But about their relationship, because they must have met, and I don't know how well you know "Song for Bob Dylan."
0: Do you know, no, I, um, yeah, I I, know, I, know I don't. I he it. does. Well,
1: well, "Song for Bob Dylan" is is an absolute sort of prayer mm. to to Bob Dylan, uh, you know, help us Robert Zimmerman, you know, I wrote this song for you and it's a kind of it was like "Hunky Dory is like 1971 mm. um, and so it's round about the time that Bob had fallen off the motorbike and there's a we all love motorbikes, a general sense that he's you know, not the figure he used to be. So yeah. the song for Bob Dylan is very much uh, Bowie saying, we need you, yeah. a voice of sand and glue. Which
2: The sand and glue period for me, I thought, came much later. I thought that was very prescient of Bowie <laughs> well, to point well, that I out say,
1: then. I mean, well, Bowie was prescient. <laughs> you know, doing <Yeah>. <laughs> his interview with Jeremy Paxman about the internet. Oh, yeah. the internet, it's oh yes. It's unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Um, but, yeah, well, I would say my point about yeah, him sounding Bob sounding like a fly, sand and glue, it's like a fly trapped in sand <laughs> and glue. But, um, but they must have met. I mean, uh, you know, surely. Yeah, it'd be hard I've to never imagine. seen any pictures, but... Mm. There are pictures of Bowie with virtually everyone else, with Mick Jagger and Elvis and blah, blah, blah. And so you, I, mean, I would have thought so. I think
2: in the sort of mid-80s, around, among the sort of live-aid USA for Africa
0: era. It's funny, though, because we've read a lot of books about Bob Dylan. Mm. And I've never experienced that crossover I've never even seen it written about or even spoken about Christmas well, party master really. scorsese's house or something who knows I
1: mean because but, but again you think Bob. we talk about bob haven't we we talk about him quite a lot as being sort of like in a bubble of it, of his own self or whatever mm. and yet he, you know he, he does on you'd have to remind me what album it is might be on self-portrait. He does a piss take of Paul Simon, doesn't he? The
2: boxer, yeah. self He does a version, Yeah, a duet with himself. And, and it two, two different Simon. voices, yeah. Yeah, But it's
1: meant to be a piss isn't well, it? It must
2: be because it's, it's it's his Nashville skyline voice and his New Morning
0: voice. And also, Paul with Simon
1: had done a piss of Bob Dylan, hadn't he? Yes. yes, yeah. In a bit song, simple, song. Roy Halli
0: and Art Garfunkel, uh, and he said, "I drop my harmonica." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he yeah. does that song.
1: What's it called? Something machine. A simple desultory flippic. Is that
2: what it is? Yeah. okay Lyndon Johnson into? mission that's right or yeah, that's, yeah. So, so total
1: bob dylan, so, yeah, so yeah but so bob bob is you know and i imagine bob didn't take you know satire very lightly he's someone who is aware of that so i who knows whether he would have but song for bob dylan on hunky dory i can't imagine that he completely no one told him like there's this guy in britain he's really amazing he's written this song for you i mean surely but he is
0: a guy who sometimes you know he won't go to see a musical that has been based on his songs. He never so saw Girls in North we Country. We don't know if he has. Certainly he didn't come mm. Not thus to the uh, English I rich. do love the
1: fact, that, by the way, that he didn't come to get the Nobel Prize. I thought that was very Bob. That's hilarious. That, yeah. you know, Nobel Prize, it just now I'm too busy touring mm. in you know, South America, ruining my songs to come and get this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you know, basically... Well, that's the, that's the profound thing about that's, Bob Dylan. Yeah. But, At the
1: end of the day, <laughs> what I love about Bob Dylan is that he's so Bob Dylan and unchanging.
0: Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan is recorded in the Danny Lopez suite at Lipsync Studios Engineered by
2: Mark Langley-Smith and produced
0: by Robin Guys We're on Twitter at Is It Rolling Pod Music is by Sam Hare I know I've seen that face before Big Jim was thinking to himself Maybe down in Mexico or a picture upon somebody's shelf But then the crowd began to stamp their feet and the house lights did dim and in the darkness of the room There was only Jim and him.